Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I had to go about it, write it out. This is the final word. World Cup Daily Day 17, the second part of Day 17. There's only a month to go in the World Cup. Uh, Jeff Lemon with you and Nikesh Raghani, guest hosting the podcast today. The podcast is made for Westfield, London, Westfield, Stratford City. Nikesh, welcome. Yeah, great to be here. And uh, yeah, Day 17, you say, a month to go still. It's a long old World Cup, isn't it? So we're in, where are we? We're in Chennai, um, which, is, which is hard to, to keep up with. I'm not going to throw you under the bus given this is your first one and make you do the 30-second summary, but I am going to do the 30-second summary myself. England played South Africa and asked them to bat. And you could pretty much end the sentence there because that's pretty much where the game finished for England. 399 for seven is what South Africa put on, thanks in large part to a very fast century from Heinrich Klaassen. And Marco Janssen made 75 not out of about 40 balls towards the end uh, was set up earlier in the innings by Hendricks, Rassi van der Dusen, uh, and Aidan Markram, and England got nowhere near it. They were about six for 70 at one point. Um, they were never a chance, and they ended up uh, suffering their largest ever defeat in one-day internationals by 229 runs. Goodness me, what a day. <laughs> what a day, and, and what a comeback from South Africa, really. Uh, losing to the Netherlands. Look, coming into this tournament, they were shit hot, weren't they? Everybody was expecting them to get into the top four, maybe at the expense of, of a side like England, who, let's face it, I mean, look, with England, I think the problem is their identity, their lack of identity, really. I mean, they spent five or six years building all this uh, attacking sort of, you know, mindset under Owen Morgan. 
And in the last sort of 18 months, that just seems to have gone. Maybe it's a change of personnel. They've no Jason Roy at the top of the order. They've got, you know, David Milan, Joe Root, Ben Stokes. Doesn't scream to me as X-factor players in this modern day and age. And, and given what South Africa did with the bat, I mean... That was explosive. Well, certainly fast starters. Like someone like Stokes can do that later in an innings once he's had time to get himself in. But if you're, and we'll, we'll deal with the South African innings in a moment, but if you're coming out chasing 400, A, you're never going to make it. It's been chased, what, once in, in the history of, you know, which is the famous um, South Africa 438 game. It's not something that teams do. Do, but if you were going to do it and if you were this England team, the Bairstow and Roy partnership at the top might be one of the only ways that it could happen. Um, without him, I thought they probably had to put Joss Butler up and, and say, OK, we're going to go about things differently today because we have to get off to the fastest start imaginable. And I know Jason Roy wasn't, you know, had made some low scores and, and wasn't as fit as he had been with his back problems and all the rest of it. But I reckon just on a vibes basis, he he was part of that, like, I will try to hit the first ball of the innings for six kind of mentality. And they don't have that at the moment. They, they didn't start that way. Even chasing 400, yeah, Bairstow hit a six relatively early on, hit one, and, and then ends up holding out on the fence. But Milan didn't lay into it from the get-go because that's not his style. And how are you supposed to do it? How are you supposed to chase 400 unless you absolutely get mauling right from the beginning? You have to, and you're absolutely right. And somebody like a Jason Roy, if he was in this side, you know, that would have maybe given England that impetus. We've seen that Roy Bairstow partnership on numerous occasions, but you're absolutely right. Joss Butler had to go and bat at the top of the order. And there were, there were talks about that, regardless of this match and chasing 400, is that an approach that England need to use? He opens the batting in T20 cricket albeit, you know, it's, it's a shorter form of the game, so there's less work to do. The maximum he's ever going to face is probably like, what, 60, 70 balls, even if he bats through the innings. This is a different uh, scenario here, but even if he does bat for 70 balls and he gets you 100 off 70, that's exactly the kind of innings you need at the top for everybody else to then come in and bat around. I just think England haven't got their tactics right in terms of the batting order. And once again, poor old David Milan at the top of the order there, He's in great form. He's scoring runs building into this World Cup against New Zealand. And, you know, he's found his place at the top of the order. England fans are delighted. But we're getting to a situation now already where we're thinking, how the hell do we drop this guy? How can we get him out the side and get a more explosive player in? And that was the case in T20 internationals. And it's, it seems like the case here in ODIs. He's sort of almost taking a spot which he's earned. But is he the right man long term to have at the top of the order? Yeah, and they don't have an explosive player to come in unless you look at the all-rounders who they left out. So this was interesting. So South Africa, Temba Bavuma was ill apparently shortly before this game. So they brought Reza Hendricks in for him at the top of the order who goes on to make 85. Important contribution. And South Africa, the criticism of them is that they only bat down to Janssen at seven and he's batting too high at seven and they don't have anyone after that. England went in with a similar setup today because they wanted to get Ben Stokes back into the team, but they weren't willing to drop Harry Brook, who's supposed to be the cover player, um, the, the floating batting cover, but they didn't want to leave him out. So they end up with David Willey at seven. So they leave out Curran, Wokes, Livingston, um, and they bring in Gus Atkinson for pace, David Willey, swing bowler, and Stokes, who can't bowl. So that means Willey's batting at seven, which is at least one spot too high, if not two. I mean, he can 
bat and he's done things with the bat before, but you're going back quite a few years really but, um, since he w- was a, a genuine option. He used to bat three in the T20 side occasionally, didn't he? So uh, there was that sort of swinging, long-hitting kind of aspect to, to his all-round package as well. But uh, with him coming in at seven, everything needs to be done by the top six and it seems like in trying to get Stokes into the team they've actually compromised the strength of that team yeah because you saw Joe Root today bowling into his seventh over and uh, 6.1 overs in the end he was making up uh, some of Reese Topley when when he went off the field but then Mark Wood took a lot of tap today as well so there's there's that real lack of sort of mm. genuine six bowling uh, option and, and you see that with sides across this World Cup it's crucial to have that I mean look India just to go off point a touch Hardik Bandia might not play the next match. Mm. They're struggling now because they've only they're probably going to have to go in with five bowlers against New Zealand, and that could be a real problem. It's the same here for England as well because somebody gets injured on the field, somebody's leaking a lot of runs. You need that other bowler to come in and do a job for you. And look, Joe Root can turn his arm over, but you know unless you get a, a ragging pitch in Chennai, then he's probably not going to be that useful bowling more than a couple of overs because once he's bowled a couple batters will line him up like they did today. Mm. And, and they had that injury problem with Reese Topley, who is obviously cursed. Like He was born under the wrong sign. There was a dark star in the sky the day that he appeared in the world. Something you know, keeps happening to him. We are in the land of Vedic astrology, aren't we, in uh, India? So uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, maybe he needs to get his chart seen while he's over here. Okay, okay. so there, there's something in that because he tries to stop a ball that's going back past him. I'll say he started well. First ball goes for four. Second ball, he gets Quentin de Kock caught behind. His first three overs are tidy. And then he's bowling his fourth and, and he gets this, this ball that clips his finger and, and damages the, the tip of his bowling finger on his left hand. And he's unhappy and he bowls two more balls. They both get smashed for four and then he says, I'm off. And he goes off with one ball remaining in the over route has to bowl that. Topley doesn't come back for about 20 overs. Um, in the meantime, Root ends up bowling quite a bit. And pretty much as soon as he goes off, literally as soon as he goes off, South Africa starts smashing the bowling round. So they only scored 18 from the first six overs. And then they just lay into it. David Willey gets hit for four boundaries in seven balls after that point. Um, and so Rassi van der Dussen and Risa Hendricks are up and running. And they put on 121 in just under 20 overs so you know basically six and over they're not absolutely flying but they're 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 putting on runs at a decent rate and then there's a smart bit of captaincy from butler at one point so atkinson bowls two overs and then and frugal overs and then he says okay i want double spin and he brings root on with rashid and adil rashid picks up First, uh, Van der Dussen, top edge to mid-wicket, and then Reza Hendricks about six overs later, after he's bashed Joe Root for a couple of sixes. Um, but you're like at that point, you're sort of thinking, well, maybe they can get back into the game here because, what, they're, they're halfway through the innings, um, but it's not... It, 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 a, a huge pile hasn't been set, set up yet, and there's, there's a possible route into the game. Um, but that doesn't happen because Aidan Markram shuts the door on them. Um, and then Heinrich Klaassen, well, he's, once Markram gets out for 42, Klaassen says, OK, time to go. David Miller gets out shortly after that, and they're about 240-odd in the 37th over at that point. You're thinking, well, they could England could keep them to 310, 320. Nah, 400. <laughs> Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the way that, that he came out, 
and batted. I mean, look, it's uh, 109 from just 67 balls. Some of those shots down the ground, um, you know, reverse sweep came out as well. The pull shots, the hook shots, the sort of launching it over extra cover as well. I mean, it was, it was a real 360 innings. You look at the pie chart of his innings and it was absolutely fantastic and, and brutal hitting as well. I mean, some of those shots down the ground going into the second tier of the Wankadi Stadium. Yeah, it's not the biggest stadium in the world, but bloody hell, it, it's still some hit. Uh, he, was, he was aiming for Marine Drive, I think, over the top of that stand uh, at one point as well. And then for Marco Janssen to come in as well and just really nail the final nail in that England coffin as well. I mean, what an innings that was. 75 not out from just 42 balls, six sixes in that. And, and some of those shots down the ground as well, even better than Klaassen. Mm. And this from a guy who people weren't really sure about how useful he's going to be. People say, yes, he can bat, but is he batting a little mm. bit too high in the order? Well, he's proved all the doubters wrong. And yeah, it was a brilliant pitch at the Wankadi, and it's probably second only to maybe the Chinnaswamy in terms of being a batting paradise here in India. Um, but still, you've got to go out there and do the business, and he certainly did. Well, he did that today. So yeah, it was 243 for five in the 37th, and then they bring up the 300 in the 44th over. Um, Klaassen just baseballs Reese Topley in that over, who has come back, back on the field by this point, and is bowling again, got through nine overs eventually. Three fours and a six in that over. Brings up his 100 with this sort of baseball smack. Mark Wood bowls him. Like, yeah, it's a full toss, but it's a low full toss at 149 k's an hour, and he just whacks it back over Mark Wood's head for six. And then then it pulls four to bring up the 100, um, um, extraordinary. Uh, Gus Atkinson does decently in the circumstances, restricts the damage to his own personal figures, um, and he gets Klaassen out in the final over, bowls him behind his legs, walking across, trying to lap the ball, sort of flick it over his shoulder, um, and picks up another wicket in that final over as well. But yeah, Janssen, 75 not out, 399 they make, the chase is 400. It's pretty much never gonna happen and then what are they 24 for three in the sixth over so they actually had more runs than south africa did after six overs wow. of the chase um but root's been caught at leg slip so besto's been caught on the fence um good catch by vanderdussen with not much room to work with and then yeah root's been flicked one away to sort of short fine leg and and then milan has edged one not gloved one but edged one off the bat down the leg side um and just stood his ground it was given not out Kumar Damasena had a bad game umpiring made a few wrong decisions but it wasn't given and then Milan just stood there like he was thinking DRS once they'd reviewed it I mean they probably you're probably going to get yes. caught buddy like they probably they probably know what's going on at that I mean, point that was a long way from the pad as well at that stage but it was interesting Kumar Damasena's uh his reaction initially he was almost shouting not out not out this cannot be out there is no way <laughs> on earth that he has edged that and uh, obviously the replay showed that he did edge it and it was uh a pretty big deflection in the end down the leg side. So a uh, good review from South Africa there. But, you know, Marco Janssen, what a day. I mean, he's he's sort of squeezed two batters down the leg side for his two wickets. He's come out, he's got 75 not out towards the end there. I mean, the man can do no wrong. Mm -hmm. We've seen some left-arm bowlers with some horrible reviews in the last few games. And he, he wanted one early on that was hitting though outside the line of leg stump I think he didn't get his review though so unlike Shaheen Shafridi with his I don't know 11 inch lateral movement inside edge uh, for early on 
in the game against Australia. Yeah, so look, Stokes after that is caught and bowled by Rabada for five. Butler and Brook hit a couple of boundaries and a six apiece. And then Butler's caught behind of Kurtzier for 15. Brook, LBW to him in the same over. So just this perfect day for South Africa. Everybody gets into the game. You know, Gerald Kurtzier, they want him as the, as the young fast bowler to be in the mix as well. He's playing in in place of Shamsi's, so they're going with just the one spinner in, in Maharaj, who takes the last wicket to fall. So uh, David Willey and Adil Rashid hit some catches up in the air. And then there's a bit of fun at the end for Gus Atkinson, 35, hits seven fours, doesn't hit a six. Mark Wood hits five sixes in his innings, just tries to put everything over the fence. 43 from 17 balls, Trent Bridge style, sorry, uh, Headingley rather, um, Five sixes. They put on 70 runs in five and a half overs, that pair. And, uh, you know, if everybody else had done similarly, then they might have been a chance of running down the total. But then Atkinson is bowled by Maharaj. They're all out nine down. They don't send Topley out to bat because he's got that damaged finger and there's no point. Um, but it was a flogging of a type that you rarely see. And England have never been beaten by runs by such a big margin. They haven't, but do you know what? what is so funny? I mean, we talk about England as this great ODI side, and look, they're the current world champions. They were. And they were uh, in that build-up. Those yeah. four years from 2015 to 2019, they were outstanding, and they still are to an extent in T20 cricket because it's a slightly different game and you can bring in your Sam Currens and, and people like that who can do a really good job for you. Butler bats at the top of the order. It's a kind of different dynamic. In terms of ODI cricket, apart from those four years... And apart from that one World Cup in 2019, they've basically been shit in every World Cup since 1992, haven't they? 96, 99, mm-hmm. 03, you know, going out to India there. 07, didn't do anything. And then you just you roll through the years. 2011, the last time they were here. 2015 down in Oz, mm. you know, obviously going out to Bangladesh. That was the low point. Is this another low point similar to that? Because they've lost to mm. Afghanistan now. They've played four games. They've lost three of them. Yeah. These are the current world champions that you're talking about. And you look down that lineup and there are one or two individuals who might strike fear into you. But as a unit, mm. particularly as a bowling unit, I feel, but even with the batting, which has been so feared for so many years now, you know, teams look mm. at that and think, well, you know, we've got enough to get past England. And in 2019, like the bowling seemed so set. Uh, it, it was, it was, you had, the plan was sure. You had Wokes and you had Archer. You had Wood to come in behind them. All three of them were bowling well. You had Rashid bowling well through the middle and you had Liam Plunkett, who was your middle over specialist, doing that job. At the moment, it feels that like a bit part bowling attack to me. You've got Atkinson, who's barely played one day cricket, coming in because Wokes is out of form. You've got Topley, who's played very little cricket over the years because he's always injured. You know, how do you even? And know if he's actually up to it at this level really um, because his track record at the top level is pretty thin and then Rashid is four years older than 2019 and um, sometimes doesn't have the same zip and dip although did you know give them their only kind of chance into the game today it just feels like a bowling attack that is being put together out of what they've got lying around rather than something with a real... In 2019, there was a really concerted plan, I suppose. And then a word for South Africa um, in that they lost to the Dutch. They couldn't chase 243 against Netherlands and then they come out and steamroll 399 against this bowling attack, which still has quality players in it. You know, you don't bash Mark Wood for 70 in his spell unless you've got some players who can play. Absolutely. And look, the Dutch, that was their day out and that was fantastic. But... 
The one thing a lot of people are talking about in this Cricket World Cup as well is the, the lack of close matches. And look, we would have loved England to get off to a brilliant start, maybe post 350, something like that, you know, at least be in the game for a long period of time. It didn't happen. But when you rewind back to the Dutch game, it's great to see results like that. I mean, it has been a great World Cup in terms of shock results in that regard. Afghanistan beating England, although, you know, some people might say after this, it's not as much of a shock. Um, you know, the Dutch beating South Africa and this South Africa side, which I think, yeah, that was a poor day at the office for them. Mm. But they are looking strong. All the bases are covered. I mean, you, you compare mm. England, we were talking about there, where, you know, the bowling attack is a bit disjointed. South Africa seemed to have every single box ticked. Yep. And even at the last moment when Bavuma has to miss out, no problem. Mm. We'll just bring someone else in. He'll do a job. He'll, he'll make 85. Yeah. You know, exactly. may have made them a stronger team on the day. The only Their only weak point is if the opposition's wearing orange. So if India go full saffron with the jerseys when they meet. Do they have an orange kit in this World Cup? They did in 2019, didn't they? I haven't seen one, but it doesn't mean that they couldn't get one together if they meet in the final, for instance. They do have an orange training kit. Yeah. So they could yeah. just wear that. All right. It's time for the final word, Hall of Fame. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Hall of Fame, where we pick our most final word moments for the day. It's brought to you by Westfield London, Westfield Stratford City. Uh, the World Cup has given us plenty of memorable moments over the years. But if you want to create your own memorable moments this festive season, there's no better place than the ice rink at Westfield London. Whether you're ready to carve up the ice like Lance Klusner carving Damien Fleming through Backward Point, or you're worried you'll slip and fall on your Chiminda vase, ice skating is the perfect day or night out with friends and family. Tickets starting from £11 for kids, 15 for adults. Um, just Google Westfield ice skating, you'll figure it out. You can get tickets from there. Uh, Hall of Fame. I liked Joss Butler's uh, post-match interview where he said... Um, uh, tonight didn't quite go to plan, was his quote. They just got away from us there at the end. Hmm. Just got away from just. us by 229 oh, runs. Yeah. I mean, it was so close. It was agonizing. Oh, we were nearly there. Our fingertips nearly snagged the back of their shirts and they just slipped their grasp. Oh, dear. I mean, I, th I think, yeah, I mean, that's, that's just silly. And, and yeah. you should be more honest when you're giving interviews like that. You've just been hammered. You've got to say, look, it wasn't good enough. We need to mm -hmm. go back and work on a few things. And, and you know, no, don't throw anybody under the bus as such. But uh, it was quite funny mm -hmm. to, to watch just those bog standard answers, wasn't it? In terms of me, look, Aidan Markram towards the end there, that partnership between Mark Wood um, and... Uh, it was Gus Atkinson, of course. Uh, you know, they were going strong, put on 70 in double quick time. And then uh, Mark Wood, in the midst of hitting all these sixes, gets dropped. 
And the reaction from Markram as if the World Cup has just been dropped. I mean, they were going to win that game so easily. It was, going to, it was a matter of, is it going to be 200 runs, 250 runs? It was somewhere in between in the end. I mean, I kind of felt his pain, actually, mm -hmm. because I was watching that as well. And although it was really exciting and I love to see big hitting, I mean, the game was done. It's like, look, let's just get this over and done with. I've got to go and get some dinner. I was starving at that point as well, actually. But I wanted to finish watching the game so I could know exactly what to talk about here. And uh, it kind of just delayed that whole process for me as well. So I feel your pain, Aidan Markram. Uh, that was the moment for me. I enjoyed also that uh, Mark Wood didn't look happy about hitting the sixes either. You know, normally he looks like he's having a ball when he's batting, but he was whacking over the fence and just being like glum-faced. You never see glum-faced Mark Wood. But, so nobody was happy out there, um, even even when things were going well for them. Um, uh, Aaron Finch had a, a beautiful line, and I don't think this was set up ahead of time. They showed some footage of uh, Michael Atherton carrying the World Cup trophy out before the game. You know how they have someone come out and put it on a plinth. It's like a symbolic thing so Atherton carries it out they show this this clip and and uh, someone else says it says something about it and, and Atherton says yeah it's, it's um it's surprisingly heavy is it that trophy it's a lot heavier than it looks and Aaron Finch goes yeah yeah it was pretty heavy carrying it around the MCG on the lap of honor <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant that's very good from Finchie I also I have a bit of a problem Atherton is a lovely fella yeah but he's never won the World Cup. No. Should he be allowed to touch it? And and not just him, but even the likes of us journalists, you know, sometimes they have it on show when you're covering a World Cup final and you sometimes have to put the yep. gloves on and, and you can take a picture while touching it. Yep. I don't like that. I think he was a bit sheepish about it as well because he he, he very quickly wanted to move off yeah. talking about it after that clip came up. Um, he wasn't doing the Sachin Tendulkar where he puts it down, gives it the big wave around the whole of the uh, Narendra Modi Stadium as it was then. He didn't, he didn't want it to come up, I don't think. It's like, maybe it's like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, if you touch the World Cup when you haven't won it, you immediately melt and, and get like consumed in a pillar of fire. I mean, it's, it's, it's worth trying to avoid that if you can. But uh, no, uh, it's, it's, I love that line from Aaron yeah. Finch, though. Brilliant. It was it was very sharp, and and my last bit is so Reese Topley after he damaged his finger came back with his two fingers on his left hand taped together the index and the and the middle finger were taped together and bowled like that, which normally is not allowed, right? You see umpires make players take even medical protective tape off their fingers because it can help you spin the ball or grip the ball. There is a provision that says that umpires are allowed to permit it at their discretion, and so they decided, given that the injury had happened in the game he would be allowed to do it, which is interesting. You know, Mitchell Stark bowled for months with a busted finger at the start of this year where his finger was always bleeding and broke, and he'd have to take the bandages off and he'd be rubbing blood all over his pants and all over the ball and all the rest of it because they wouldn't let him keep a, a bandage on, which doesn't help a fast bowler. It might help a spinner. But, yeah, they, so they made the sensible decision today, but they, they rarely make that sensible decision. I mean, look, 8.5 overs conceded 88 runs. I mean, I... He wasn't getting any no, advantage no. from that at all. So the umpires probably thought, well, if you want to do it, yeah. you do it. It's not going to help you in any way. Yeah, well, nothing much helped England today. They're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, they've lost three and they've been obliterated. So um, they have a, a hard road to face. What's the game tomorrow? India, New Zealand. India, New Zealand. That's right. That's another massive one. Um, and uh, yeah, well, some of the games get bigger and bigger. Um, and England, I can't remember who they're playing next. I have, should have looked that up, but I didn't. Sometimes you forget to 
do things. Let's be honest. Let's be real with one another. You can find out who they're playing because you're on the internet watching this show. So let's have a little bit of shared effort. I think that's it from us. This has been The Final Word Daily. Thanks, Nikesh, for joining the show. Uh, if you like what we're doing, patreon.com slash the final word. We'll see you on day 18, which will be tomorrow. Bye. I had to get